there is a need for us to do some rewinding. We need to go back and take notes and pay closer attention and extract lessons from the stories we have read in previous chapters. There are lessons for us to learn in those stories. The first story I would want us to go back to is the story of Noah. After the flood, God established a covenant between himself and Noah. Now, the thing with covenants is that the parties involved in that covenant, they make a promise. They say, I will do this, and the other party would say, I will do this. Now, in that covenant with Noah, we did not read anything from the side of Noah. We only read from the side of God, where God said, I promise you, I have declared to all living creatures, both man and animal, that I will not, I will not destroy this world anymore with a flood. That was the promise God declared. That was the covenant he declared with Noah and all living things. Note, Noah did not say anything in return. Noah didn't say, and as you have made that promise, I promise to forever obey you. No. We did not read any such thing. Now, why my mind went back to this is because now we read again recently in Genesis chapter 14 that God now established another covenant with Abraham. Now, in that covenant, he said, I will bless you, I will multiply, I will do this, and I will do that. And again, we did not hear Abraham say anything in return. Matter of fact, it was God that even proposed these covenants. He himself proposed this covenant and he alone made promises. There was no promise whatsoever from the side of man. This is very interesting and we need to note this. We need to note this, that God is always the one giving the covenant and making promises. And I find this very comforting because we know God is not man. God is not man who will fail on whatever promise he has given. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the next thing I would want us to note is the story we read in Genesis 14 where Abraham paid tithe to the priest of that time Melchizedek now this this I don't even know why I didn't mention this the other time. maybe it didn't come it didn't actually didn't come that time it actually didn't come that time because checking my notes now I think I noted it yesterday I noted it yesterday but it actually skipped my mind I thank God it didn't skip my mind today so now what this did for me is this is a realization that people who served God were scattered all over the face of the earth no matter how sinful the place is there would be one person or there would be souls who actually served God in truth and in spirit now let's not forget the journey of Abraham journey was taken he was called by God out of the awe of the Chaldeans it was called out of that location to Canaan. Now, it was on the journey to Sodom that he met uh, the prince 
is the prince of the king of um, Salem. Yes, Melchizedek, the king of Salem. It was on his journey back to Sodom that he met the king of Salem, which is Melchizedek. And he paid tithe. And in return, or let me not say in return, and we read that Melchizedek blessed Abraham. So we see that first off, Abraham was not even a priest when he was being called. He was just a regular man who was serving God, a regular man who was upright in his generation. And God had picked Abraham out of the all of Chitaugens. Now we are now we now read that there was also a priest who was serving God that Abraham paid tithe to. So this I think with this we can say that yes the children of God are actually scattered all over the face of the earth. So it's not that one tribe is this and one tribe they don't worship God. The children of God are always scattered all over. All over. Let's not forget the family of Noah, Shem, Ham and Japheth. They shared this same religion with their father Noah and they spread abroad they had children they were fruitful and they were and they multiplied and let's not forget these people lived ridiculous amount of years so they could actually spend much time which with quite a number of generations and pass down these true religion and pass down the true worship of the creator of the heavens and earth so now I would want to look into my notes so I don't I don't forget any other thing. Yes. Another thing I'd like to draw minds to. It's interesting how I had a conversation with someone very recently. I think that was on Saturday. Yes, that was on Saturday. And the person said something. We were discussing something, and the person was like, ah, we just strike the person. That's why I like Shongu. Shongu is very, is very quick to action. We just strike. That's why nobody messes with Shongu. And I said, yes. And that is the difference between a God, God in small letters, and the creator of the heavens and earth. We cannot compare. In fact, this I think this just draws the line as to who we should serve. Should we serve a God who is like man? Shongu, who is like man, who cannot endure, who cannot suffer long with the errors of man. Isn't that obvious? Isn't that isn't that clear that Shongu is not the creator? Isn't that obvious? If at the slightest mistake of man, Shongu will strike someone. Isn't doesn't that show he is not merciful and he does not understand the heart of man? But yesterday we read of a God that waited and was patient for four hundred years, for four generations, desiring that the man or the men, the Amorites this time, would repent and turn from their evil. Do we see how different, do we see how true the Father who is in heaven 
who created the heavens and the earth and everything we see do we see how true and different it is from all these other gods we cannot it cannot be compared it cannot be compared and that is that is amazing that is amazing we have a father in heaven who is patient who understands man who is desirous to save man and not kill him at the slightest error at the slightest sin committed god is a patient god god is a patient god then the other thing i would like to draw our minds to please pardon me <coughs> the other thing i would like to draw our minds to is the justice and the fairness of god yes in that same story of the amorites we saw that god was a just and god was a fair god now let's let's reason let's reason out what he did for the amorites pardoning even until the fourth generation now in order for us to realize or mm, looking at that mercy that duration of pardon this is what i see and i'd like to hear from you i see a god that refused to destroy a parent allowing them bear children and hoping that those children that these parents have given birth to will repent and turn to god there is this beautiful thing that happens when parents who are sinful bear children there are situations there are cases there are stories where the lives of particular parents who were just reckless and just lived life in an upside down way changed because a child was now introduced now they now started to love and show compassion they now started to become patient they now started to be guided because of that child so i can imagine god waiting patiently hoping that these newer generations will soften the hearts of the older and will cause them to repent but he didn't see that then he waited again then he didn't see that then he waited again and he didn't see that how much more do you want god to wait how much more do you think he should have been patient now don't forget in every generation in every nation there are righteous people and if there are righteous people in a land that is filled with evil then it is sure that harm it is sure that danger just might or even will certainly befall upon them lot is an example lot is an example in as much as lot picked sodom for his own selfish advantage let's not forget he is man he is man we read about noah 
we read about his journey to righteousness, how he lived his life until he attained that level of perfection as the Bible describes his life is upright and perfect in this generation. We read that Noah was drunk with wine at some point. Is that not a lack of temperance? Is that not a lack of self-control? But he overcame. And the Bible records, and God said he was perfect. Same thing with Lot. Same thing with Lot. So, in every generation, in every country, in every nation, in every location, there are righteous people. Now, if God was to bear forever, what do you think will happen to the righteous? They will perish. And for their sake, the wicked must, must and must be destroyed. This is the lessons we are learning from the Bible. They are so, so true. They are so, so true. And I'm sure as you think, as you ponder upon these passages, you would even have more to share because this is just my own view. This is just what I am getting from the text. I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you. I want to have a deeper understanding of this text we are reading. It is very crucial. It is very crucial. And again, it's it's amazing how much, how much we can learn. It is amazing how much we have learned from Genesis chapter 1 just to Genesis chapter 15. God is good. God is is very good. I praise his name. Hi, my name is Oluwa Femi and you are welcome to the gospel space. Anytime I pronounce my name, I always think that Yoruba, um, that Yoruba pronunciation. I, I always feel I'm not getting that Yoruba pronunciation. Why? God help me. God help me. Today we will be going to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. We are a step closer to the book of Revelation. We are a step closer to the book of Revelation. And I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. God helps us that we will be alive and we will be able and desirous to study even until that last week. By God's grace, by God's grace. Let us start our study today with a prayer. Let us invite the Holy Spirit to come and teach us, to come and dwell in our hearts as we study. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for today. We thank you for the life you have given us. We thank you for grace and we thank you for the mercies we enjoy. Of a truth, we do not deserve any of the merits we enjoy. But because you are a loving father, you are a patient father, you are a father who calls us to repentance and sets beacons that we may see and that we may turn to you. Our heart is filled with joy and gratitude as we are learning, as you are opening our hearts to understanding. Thank you, Father. We come again 
pleading for the forgiveness of our sins and for thy Holy Spirit to come and dwell in our hearts, to come and teach us, to come and soften our hearts that we may receive from you gems, gems that will guide us. Please help us. Please teach us. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 16. This is an interesting chapter. As I read this chapter before coming on this podcast, I had a good laugh. I had a good laugh. And so many titles have come to my mind for this podcast, for today's episode. So many titles. But I I, I don't want to use Yoruba because by God's grace, I don't know what tribe you are. I don't know if you're Yoruba, if you're Igbo, if you're Hausa, or any other uh, language-speaking tribe, any other tongue. So I don't want to use Yoruba, but my, it's, it's, I just feel like Yoruba is the most suitable <laughs> language to use to describe to this chapter. But it's interesting, and there is much, there is much to learn. There is much to learn. Let us go into this study. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. Hagar. Now, we started taking note of how we have uh, kicked off on our cross referencing. Now, looking at this chapter, we see something familiar, something we have read. In a previous chapter, matter of fact, something we read yesterday, that Abraham had no child. <laughs> yes, Abraham had no child from his wife, Sarah. And now we are reading it again, that Abraham bore him no children. We read that in Genesis chapter 15 in yesterday's chapter. And I'm just saying this, so we see um, we see cross-referencing because from time to time, I know in future passages, we would take note of things that would give us clarity in future passages. So I'm just saying this to remind us that this is how cross-referencing uh, works. We have read something similar to this that where the Bible, sorry, something similar to this where the Bible actually says that Sarah had no child for Abraham, Sarah was barren, and we read that in Genesis chapter 15, verse 2 and 3. And we see that Abraham now has acquired another maidservant. His wife now has another maidservant from Egypt. Now, could it be that it was their journey to Egypt? during the time of that severe famine that they acquired this new servant. Could it be that time? Why does this servant decide to follow them? If you are in a land that is flourishing, you are in a land that is receiving people from outside to come and purchase because your land is blessed, 
with food why then would you leave that land that is booming to a land that is not booming because abraham left canaan to egypt to buy food and now we are seeing that he now acquired a maid servant from egypt to his land where there was no food could this be that abraham had a very interesting influence could it be that abraham taught in the land of egypt don't forget the incident that happened on getting to egypt abraham told his wife sarah you are a beautiful woman a fair woman to behold Mm, and he was scared that the king of egypt or pharaoh would kill him because of his wife now he made he thought that way because of the sins already happening in egypt because the land was filled with evil so he was afraid now as they lied and lo and behold pharaoh took the wife of uh, abram now this time we cannot blame pharaoh because they said they were siblings so he took the wife and you know god ministered to him and said return that woman to abram for she is his wife and he returned so could it be that that scene that thing that played out in egypt convinced this maid servant because to me I'm, I'm just i'm just thinking out loud i'm just expressing my thought sharing it with you because i don't know why you would leave your land that there is food and go to a land where there is no food <laughs> so something must have happened something must have happened that led to them acquiring this maid servant whose name was agai so Sarah said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in with my maid. Go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarah. Let us pause there. Oh, man. Man, man, man. What is wrong with you, man? Now, isn't this the same thing that happened to Adam? Eve ate from the tree that she wasn't supposed to eat. And she gave it to Adam. And Adam, likewise, he did the voice of Eve. What is wrong with man? What is wrong with man? Man succumbed to this idea of his wife he obeyed and he went in with a guy let us go on before we start to extract lessons from this because this story is a very interesting story it is a very interesting story then sarah abram's wife took hagar and made the egyptian and gave her to her husband abram to be his wife now this one is not something i would post until the latter time now do we see that before 
he had a relationship with a guy he got married to her he wifed her he wifed her before having any form any any at all any form of sexual relationship with a guy he wifed her now is this further passing drilling a message into our heads that that um, sexual relationship is only meant to exist between people who have taken that marriage covenant between man and his wife alone yes emphasis on alone so he wiped a guy a guy is now his second wife but the question is is this the will of god didn't god make man and woman not man and women he made them one and he said two of you have become one one not three of you not four of you not five of you two one man and one woman we see the effects of sin now at this point having more than one wife was already normalized we saw how early this started to happen from the descendants of Cain, Lamech, who had two wives. So maybe in the heart of Sarah, it wasn't a sin anymore. Maybe. But now we are learning differently. We are learning from their own mistakes. These stories are examples to us. And I pray we learn. I pray we learn. Let us go on. Then Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, his maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abraham, to be his wife. After Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes now this puzzled me for a bit then I, ha- I had to pick up my dictionary so the word conceived means to actually get pregnant it's not that a child is already born to conceive is to get pregnant i'm just putting that out there so I wouldn't be puzzled, uh, puzzled as you wouldn't be pu- you will not Femi, calm down <laughs> you will not be puzzled as I was then Sarah said to Abram my wrong be upon you <laughs> I gave my maid into your embrace and when she sorry pardon me what is wrong then Sarah said to Abram my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. This was the part that got me laughing. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
Are you kidding me? Was it not Sarah who brought up the suggestion to give her maid servant, a guy, to her husband, to wife, and to bear children for her? Wasn't it her? And here she is saying, <laughs> and here she is saying that God will judge between herself and her husband. Because now there is ah what 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 word now mm, there is if, if I can use the word strife between these two wives she is now turning the blame to the husband mm. let us go on so Abraham said to Sarah indeed your maid servant is in your hand do to her as you please and when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to shore. Before we continue reading, do we see how they still regarded Hagar as a servant and not a wife? They still regarded Hagar as a servant and the wife. It's very interesting to know. And now we are reading that an angel appeared. No, no, not appeared. An angel found. Found a guy in the wilderness by the spring on the way to shore. And he said, a guy, Sarah's maid. Mercy, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself unto her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitudes and the angel of the lord said to her behold you are with child and you shall bear a son you shall call his name ishmael because the lord has heard your affliction he shall be a wild man his hand sorry his hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Here, I also have seen him who sees me. Therefore, the well, the well was called Belitha Royal. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Agai bore Abram a son, and Abram named the son when Agai bore uh, sorry named the son whom Agai bore Ishmael. Abram was eighty-six years old when Agai bore Ishmael to Abram. So we are confirming the age of Abram when he had his first son. First I see patience. Even in the years when man lived 
large amount of years 500 700 800 900 we saw and read how they were given birth as early as 70 80 100 and they had much more time to even bore to even bear more children but now the age of man has been reduced to 120 and we see a man who did not have a child until the age of 86 until the age of 86 mercy that is patience at the age of 86 he would be regarded as an old man in fact a very old man let's not forget the age limit this time the age cap is now 120 so someone that is already 86 that is old that is very old now let us back up now in these verses we see that an angel found now it would be a different thing if we read that an angel appeared or an angel spoke we read recently that god speaks through visions right so if we read that god spoke then we would know that it's a vision or if we read that god appeared then we would still know that it's a vision although or sorry or let me not let me not be too forward let me not be too forward but here we are reading that an angel found a guy an angel found a guy in the wilderness and i want us to pay attention to the things that we read about this conversation between a guy and that angel it is important it is very important first the angel spoke with a guy in that wilderness the angel spoke she heard and this is this is surely not a vision this is surely not a vision and you will see why I think this is not a vision I think I'll tell you uh, I'll share with you why I think uh, pardon me I'm, I'm searching for some verses and she said I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarah Sarah the angel of the Lord said to her return to your mistress and submit yourself unto her then the angel of the Lord said to her I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that you shall not be counted for multitude is this not a, a statement that is similar to that promise God gave Abraham before leaving the awe of the Chaldeans is this not similar now this angel says I will I will and this promise is a promise of recreation who is the one that's created God God created now this is the first thing we would take note so we are seeing that this angel that appeared to a guy was an angel that had authority it was an angel that had authority that had authority to say 
to declare that he will multiply the seed of the son she was carrying. Let's go on. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. Now, another attribute, another character of this angel is the angel now sees the future. The angel sees the end from that very position. Now, are we saying that this angel is not just an ordinary angel? This angel is not just a messenger. Mind you, the A in the spelling of this angel is in capital letter. Remember, we said we need to take notes. We need to pay attention to all the capitalizations of God, Lord, and now we are adding angel to it. Now, the angel now said, you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has heard your affliction. Now, we are now seeing that this angel knows the future even more. Where he said, he shall be a wild man. He shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. You know, saying a couple of things that were to happen in the future. So, this angel is not just an ordinary angel. This angel is God. God appeared to a guy in a physical form. Now, this is something we need to note. This is something we need to note. And we need to put it as number three in our list of means of communication. We wrote yesterday that God communicates to us through the word. He communicates to us through vision and now we are reading that he can actually appear to us physically he can appear to us physically this is interesting this is interesting we are learning all of this from the book of Genesis from the book of Genesis I want to hear from you what do you think what lessons do you have to share with me as we rub minds what other things have you noticed what of that gem can you extract from this passage that would help us understand the bible that would help us understand these texts even more it doesn't matter if the gem is from today's chapter or a previous chapter what have you what do you have to share with me? God is good. God is good. Again, we see mercy, we see love, and we see God's care for every single afflicted soul. For every single afflicted soul. And before I forget, can we see that it was the influence, the character, the events that happened in Egypt that made a guy follow Abraham. Do we see that? Let's go back to verse 
15. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. And she said, Have I also, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore, the well was called Belitha Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So, she actually acknowledged that she had seen God. She acknowledged it. It means the relationship God had with Abraham already rubbed off on her. In fact, it is possible that it's because of the kind of relationship, the kind of atmosphere that Abraham carried when he went to the land of Egypt that actually gave the impression or put the desire in her heart to follow after him on his way out of Egypt. God is good. God is good. There is a need for us to draw closer unto God. You know, one essential lesson for me in this passage is to learn patience. Abraham waited for 86 years without no child. Despite his wealth, Abraham himself did not consider taking a second wife until Sarah made that suggestion. Abraham was to keep his covenant, his marriage covenant, his marriage vow, till death do us apart. He was not ready to break that vow. By bringing in another woman into that marriage covenant he had already established with his dear wife Sarah. He endured. Matter of fact, we read yesterday when Abraham was pouring his heart to the Lord, when he, was, he already declared that a servant, the servant from Damascus, would be his heir. So he was not even considering having a second wife. He accepted his faith and he was going to die with his wife alone not bringing another party into his home I think this is a very strong lesson it is a very strong lesson that no matter the case no matter the situation man do not break your vow not break your vow with your wife for any reason whatsoever because those vows those statements those promises declared on that altar or wherever you find yourself or wherever you make those vows they are sacred because they are vows between you the woman and God on the other hand Women, women, be careful of what you want. Plead to God for patience. 
pleads to God for a spirit that knows how to suffer long. Plead for a spirit that knows how to trust. Sarah was a woman and she has weaknesses like we have. She has weaknesses like every other woman has. But we see how she has faltered and we see the repercussions. We are learning from her mistakes. Please, my dear friend, do not fall into a mistake. Do not fall into a mistake. Do not lose heart. Continue seeking the face of God. And my dear man, stay firm. Stay firm. Stay firm. For no matter the situation, you are head of the family. Let the principles, let these instructions of God guide your every decision. Guide your every decision. Today, we have marriage councils. Today, all we have is marriage journey. Marriage, marriage journey. I'm trying not to add anything, any other lesson. As it is centered upon marriage, I'd like it to remain that way. Marriage is a sacred covenant. It is a sacred covenant. I pray the Lord continues to minister unto our heart and to teach us that we may do right. That these examples that we are learning from would be in our hearts. That they would guide us so that we would not make mistakes as these men, as these patriarchs, as these parents made. This is our prayer. This is our prayer. Do have a wonderful day. And by God's grace, we would meet again tomorrow to study. God bless you.